Hello and welcome back. This is episode number six of Waking Up with Mel. Today we're going to talk about spirits. What are spirits? You know, they even call alcohol spirits, which is super interesting. But we're going to talk about biblical spirits. The first time I figured this out, it changed my life. So before we get there, let's talk. I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story about when I was little, something that changed my life entirely. Many things did, but this was a huge, huge, I call it Garden Eden moment where you kind of step out of the Garden of Eden and into the real world of life and realize that things are crazy. So I was 12 years old and my grandparents, they lived in California as my mom and dad's parents. They were awesome. And they were coming to Idaho to come visit us from California. So they were driving from Grass Valley, California to Boise, Idaho, where I lived. Well, actually, they were going to this little town called Parma, where my aunt lived. And we were going to go from Boise to Parma to visit my grandma and grandpa. So on the drive there, we were almost there in this little kind of podunk country town. And my spirit had this feeling that my grandparents were no longer on earth. And I don't even know why, because I've never had anybody die. I didn't, you know, like death wasn't on my radar. It was just something that I thought real quick. So we get there and it was such a real crazy moment for me. And we pull into the driveway of my aunt's house, my aunt and uncle. And uh, my mom says, where's mom and dad's car? I wonder. And in my head, I thought, well, mom, they're dead. But I didn't say that, you know, of course I didn't say that. So she gets out of the car. I stayed in the car. I remember sitting in the car, watching her get out and go to the door and watching my aunt tell my mom that they were in fact dead, that they had died in a head on collision, uh, along with another couple another elderly couple. Um, I think it was right after Winnemucca on the straight, straight away. And, um, that moment changed the rest of my life because not only did my mom have to deal with, you know, the loss of both her parents, I, for the first time, had to deal with the fact that death is real and that, um, you know, where do you go when you die? It was such a weird time for me. I remember laying in bed and just being like, man, where do you go when you die? And I wonder if... I wonder if they wouldn't have died if I would have said they were going to die. Maybe that would have changed everything. So I'm going to put a little side note here. When I was five years old, I um, stayed the night at a friend's and my mom had a daycare and I stayed the night, begged her to stay the night at one of my best friend's house. He was a boy and my dad did not like the idea. My mom was like, whatever, it's fine. So I went and it was fine. It was a good night. It was fun until... The dad of the little boy I was staying with came home drunk from a bar and decided to sexually molest me. And so it was a one-time thing. I told my parents, uh, long story there, but, you know, they tried to give me – well, they did. They put me in counseling. It was super weird. Five years – I was five. It was Kids aren't – in my opinion, I was not at any place for counseling. Like, it was like a one-time incident and – I just kind of wanted to move on from it and it kind of got dragged out because of the therapy and all this crap. And then they put, I remember them watching me play and it was like all of a sudden something was wrong with me and I didn't like that part about it. So anyways, that's five and then my grandparents die when I'm 12 and all of a sudden I'm over, oh, oh, and this is the topper of it. Then they came out with a pandemic, 
much like the one we just had, the AIDS pandemic. And I, I mean, it was a time – I should pull up some news clips actually and see what they were brainwashing us with. I'm going to because I haven't ever done that and let's might as well put it here on this podcast. But I remember as a 12-year-old thinking, oh my gosh, you can't hug anybody. You can't touch anybody. Uh, you can't swim in the same pool with anybody. You don't know who has this disease. You can get it easy in um, – like I was, you know, totally traumatized from it. And it made me go into such a spirit of fear that it created what, what is uh, categorized, I guess. I don't categorize myself. If you do, let's, let's talk about that real quick. If you label yourself, like that's one thing I hate about Alcoholics Anonymous is I am an alcoholic. No, nobody's an alcoholic. You are a child of God who maybe drinks too much or has a drinking problem that you can conquer especially with God, but in Alcoholics Anonymous, which I believe is tied to the Illuminati because of those weird coins they give everybody with the triangle on it. Anyways, and they want to keep people stuck in the system, you know, this 12-step system. So yes, there's good things about it. The community's good, things like that. I've I've went to a couple of meetings with some people before. Um, so I don't think they're horrible, but I do think that, um, you know, I don't like hearing these people that are already in a bad place that they're in label themselves. And so when I was in my 30s, one day I labeled myself as stupid in front of somebody and they were like, do you always talk to yourself like that? And it made me realize, you know, I, I do and I'm my worst bully and I better start talking to myself nicer and watch my words. And so I, I just another side, another side note there. So we're at a point, I'm at a point in my life at 12 years old, where I let fear rule my life. And I did it in a way that I could control. So I would wash my hands with dial soap because there was a commercial on TV of dial soap that said, if I did wash my hands with dial soap, I would get all the germs off hundred percent. And I wouldn't give my parents any germs. So I begged my mom to get dial soap. Didn't tell her why. I'm just like, mom, will you get dial soap, liquid dial gold soap? And I would wash my hands. I think I counted at least to 40 I don't even remember how it all worked. And I would not dry my hands because I did not want to put my germs, even though I didn't have any, because I just washed them with aisle on the towels. And then I thought somebody's going to come in and kill my parents at night. So I go check the doors 50 times. And then it turned into checking my locker 50 times. And then it turned into like all this, like it just said OCD mess, right? That I kept bottled inside of myself. Um, and didn't really, you know, nobody knew why, you know. And so one day my mom could see something was wrong with me. So she took me to a counselor again. I was in eighth grade, did not want to go. She searched this lady out. She was a Christian counselor, which, you know, I think does matter because nowadays when you go to a counselor, it's about what drug they're going to put you on, not what's the underlying issue in your life that's causing you to react, you know, in whichever way you are. So for me, when I went... The lady, it was, took a couple sessions, I believe, and she, she finally, I just told her, you know, I do this because I don't want to kill anybody, and da, 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 and just releasing that out of my mouth made it stop. Like, I just stopped. I didn't need pills. I didn't need nothing. Like, I, I just needed God and my mom and some prayer and some stranger to be able to talk to, and so when I got that all out off my system, I stopped the OCD, which gave me back some confidence, you know, because it was making me not want anybody to see my hand. So if somebody wanted to shake my hand or 
whatever in school, I'd be like, no, you can't see my hands. They're gross. You'll judge me. So it made me um, more confident. So fast forward, I'm in high school now and I just decide instead of having OCD, I'll just live in fear. in complete fear that everybody around me is going to die. And if I tell everybody who's around me what I fear, then it won't happen. I, I literally convinced myself of this. So I would tell, especially one of my best friends, my ex-husband, oh, poor guy. Um, I tell my husband now I'm remarried. Um, man, if you were married to that lady before, you would it would have drove you bananas. Because my husband now is like, kind of like a hard ass you know, uh, he doesn't believe in a lot of psychological problems people label themselves with. Anyways, so he wouldn't put up with me all whiny all the time. So I uh, start living in fear. This happens all the way up until my 20s. Then I move when I'm 21 to New Mexico from Boise, Idaho, carry that fear with me. Um, Like I said, married with the fear And then I think God knew I needed to get it together because I was about to become a mom. And I can't imagine living in the fear I had of being a mother. Holy moly, that would have sucked. So what basically happened is it came to a point where my, like if my mom or dad or anybody was driving from Boise to New Mexico to Albuquerque to visit me, I would basically be calling them every five minutes. Are you okay? Anything? Tell me. And I cry like I was a mess. And so I, one day I'm in Idaho and I'm at my mom's house and my mom's such an awesome person. And she, so is my dad. My family is amazing. And so she says, Mel, why don't we go pray about your fear? And at this point, I don't understand the power of prayer. I don't understand spirits. I don't understand fear. I don't understand any of it. It's just like, you know, I'm kind of living more, I always say that there's two worlds, right? There's this physical world we live in and there's a spiritual world that's just as real as the physical one we live in, but we can't see it. So it's almost not real to some people. And some people, and this was me back then, are more eyes on the physical, you know, so the spiritual, yeah, it's there, whatever. But but all I see is what's around me, the, the physical things I can touch, see, smell, hear, taste, you know. And so that's where I was, especially as a young teenager to my early 20s and early 30s. So by this point, I think I'm in my early 30s or late 20s because I got pregnant when I was 29, had her when I was 30. And I believe my fear left me by the time I was 34. So it was somewhere in between this time. <clears throat> and I said, sure, mom, let's go pray. Not, again, knowing the power of prayer, the power of Jesus, the power of God, because they don't teach you any of that in church. The church has dumbed people down so bad and it drives me nuts. So I go with her to pray and we decide to go where I had buried my beloved pit bull, Taza. Just loved that dog. She got hit by a car when I was 18 and I buried her there late at night one night, crying my eyes out. Um... And so this night, this day, we were at the grave and it had now turned into like this doggy graveyard. There's dogs everywhere up there now. People that just bury their dogs. I hope it's still like that. I'm going to go check when I get go there next. So we sit on this mountain and my mom prays for the fear. And I was like, thanks, mom. Okay. You know, end up flying or going home to Albuquerque. And that's when my marriage, my first marriage soon fell apart after that. Um, I didn't know how I was going to raise my daughter and not put her in daycare. I didn't know anything. Like I didn't know how 
all of it. You know what I mean? But I did have skills and I used my skills, long story short, to make money. And God took care of me in insane ways during that time. And that is when my fear left. Like it just left. And when it tries to come back, I give it to God as fast as I can, especially when it comes to my kids and things that are out of my control. You know, I just be like, God, okay, I fear this. Can you help me with fear? And then I started reading the word and I started understanding what fear is and what depression is and what all these attacks are on, on people and why we're getting attacked. And so let's, let's talk about that. Um, if you read the Bible, a lot of people don't, you know, it's not a boring book. I promise it's such a good book and it's, it blows your mind. And I highly suggest reading it from beginning, cover to cover, beginning to end. And then all the books mentioned in it because they took a lot of books out for some reason. I think to, I know the reason to keep people uneducated of the whole truth, because if you know the whole truth of God, then you have all the power in the world. And not one of these demons or spirits can touch you, not fear, not depression, not anxiety, and not all the BS that Satan has put on the children of God. So when you read the beginning, it says, let me just turn to it. I have the Bible open right here. Can you hear the pages? I love it. Okay. So in the beginnings, he created heaven and earth. Oh, one of these days we're going to talk about how he says, let there be light and the firmament and, uh, how the moon is a light and not like the earth, which can't land on light anyways. Um, so I want to get to where he made us and he made us in his image. And if I can't find it real quick, I'll move on. Oh yeah, here it is. I highlighted it. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Okay. So we're created in the image of God. One. Boom. Now, if you know the next part, let's let's actually read that. Let's go down to Genesis 6. Okay, so when God created things, he created male, he created female. People are very mixed up on that right now for some reason. He created dogs, cats, cattle, you know, he created all the things. What he did not create was angels to mate with mankind. He created angels to be heavenly angels. He created mankind to be mankind in his image. Well, the angels to have freedom of choice, just like we do, right? We have free will because God did not make robots. He made people, animals, angels to have free will. Well, the angels, a third of them, decided their free will was to come down to earth and have sex with women. So what the Bible says is... <clears throat> this, this verse blows my mind. It's Genesis six. And how many times have people read this and just kind of like overlooked it, which is kind of the game changer of life. This verse, it says, now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face, face of the earth and daughters were born to them. The sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves, all whom they choose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants. Let me read that again. 
chapter Genesis chapter 6 verse 4. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterwards when the son of God came in to the daughters of men. They bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old of renown. Then the Lord saw how wicked it got because then these giants started having their ways with everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? And next thing you know, there's crossbreeds of horses, and humans and bears. It's just nuts at this point. So let's talk about the book of Enoch real quick that a lot of Christians unfortunately will not read, have not read. I don't know why. It's not in the canon. You know what? People, Christians read Harry Potter, but they won't read the book of Enoch. It's crazy to me. So in the book of Enoch, it gets really deep into the giants. It talks a ton, a ton about them. And when I read this, I all made sense. Okay. So it says, and now the giants who are produced from the spirits and flesh shall be called evil spirits on the earth and they shall live on earth. Evil spirits have come out of their bodies because they are born from men and from the holy watchers. Their beginning is of primal. They shall be evil spirits on earth and evil spirits shall they be called spirits of the evil ones as spirits of heaven and heaven shall be their dwelling. But as for the spirits of earth, which were born on earth on earth shall be their dwelling. And the spirits of giants afflict, oppress, destroy, attack, war, destroy again. So they love to destroy us. You know why? Because we're made in the image of God and cause trouble on the earth. They take no food, but do not hunger or thirst. They cause offenses, but are not observed. These spirits shall rise up against the children of men and against the women because they have produced from them in the days of slaughter and destruction. All right, guys. So, boom. Think about that. These giants, these evil spirits that you do not see, want to afflict, to depress, to destroy you. And how do you do that? With your mind. It's the number one way. It's the number one way. You know how many friends I've seen that have do not have a spirit of a sound mind and are now my age on antidepressants because they can't deal with life? when they could before like that's how bad these these demons get and people don't understand that they're fighting a demon they think they're fighting a, a quote-unquote sickness and they're not in my opinion please don't go and get off your pills or whatever like go talk to your doctor talk to god like your own thing like don't ever hold me accountable for your actions please Ugh, that's one thing that bugs me about america you know Speaking of, when I got taken down from my first podcast, and if you don't know this, the Associated Press wrote an article about my first podcast because I talked about Trump, because I talked about how the election was stolen by this fake re regime, regime, that's not Biden, Ugh, it's such a joke. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you talk about the truth, vaccines, I'm surprised this one's not taken down. I actually paid to do this podcast instead of getting paid because... They can't take it down, I hope, because I actually paid for it. Whereas before, I was getting sponsored. I was getting paid. So anyways, sidetracked. So I really feel that people don't understand what they're up against. And that's something that's unfortunate because let's say it's October right now and I'm seeing so many Christians that aren't spiritually awake almost opening up portholes of evil into their homes, at dressing like witches, 
putting their house with like all kinds of demons all over their house and ghosts and it's just insanity to me like that they don't think the spiritual stuff's going to come along with that stuff. It's like the Ouija board. You can buy it a little game, right? But no, spirits take over that thing. <laughs> Evil spirits, you guys. Let's talk about testing the spirit. So there's a verse in the Bible, and I might have to pause this here and, and look it up real quick. It's in John, I believe. Um, I actually am going to pause it here and look it up so you guys um, don't have to listen to static air. Hold on. Okay, I found it. It's First John chapter 4. It says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world, but by this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and now is already in the world. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he who is greater is in you than he who is in the world. You know how powerful that is? Like, stop and think about that. Shalah, right? Holy moly. Oh my God. <laughs> Please excuse me if you get offended by the word holy because I said that at a, I'm a commercial real estate agent on, um, on my side of being a mom and my podcast. And the other day I was at a showing and I said, holy moly, because this guy had an incredible like simulator of, uh, shooting. It was like a shooting simulator thing. And I saw it and I was like, Whoa, holy moly. And he yelled at me and I don't say, you know, that, any, I try not, I, I have high reverence for God and Jesus. Hi. I don't say their names in vain. I don't do that. And it was, I got caught off guard because I didn't realize, yeah, even holy, you know, you shouldn't put it with other things. <laughs> Anyways, I'm getting really sidetracked today. <laughs> I hope you love it. Um, so anyways, um, if you really think about how your spirit is of God and God is like, ask Jesus into your life, ask the Holy Spirit into your life, like Holy Spirit. It's a Holy Spirit from God. That's the Holy Spirit, Jesus and God was hard for me to understand. And this is how it works in my brain. And I, it's, nobody taught this to me. It's just the way it works in my brain. So there's God, the creator, and he's everything, right? He's male and female. He's everything. He's, they say his voice is like many waters. And I just picture God as like everything, but he's spirit and he's made, we're made in his image. So he's also got to have resemblance of male and female, right? So it's hard for me to picture God. It honestly is, but he loves us so much that he had to show the world how much. So he sent Jesus who was in the beginning with him, right? He was like, they were together. They were one, like Jesus, God said, so, but Jesus was going to be a human form because he was going to be God, the father put into Mary. So when Ron Wyatt found Jesus's DNA, if you need to look that up, I should do a podcast about that because that's awesome. This guy, Ron Wyatt, he's passed away since he found all this stuff, but he found the crucifixion spot. He found the Red Sea and some chariot wheels and all this other stuff. And while he was there, he got sunburnt 
And God pretty much over several, several years brought him to the Ark of the Covenant and he talks about it. And on the Ark of the Covenant, it's, this is so incredible. Jesus was crucified. We all know this is true. And the ground shook. It says this in the Bible and the earth quaked. Well, when that happened, Jesus's blood dripped to the earth and landed on the Ark of the Covenant. And why that is so awesome is because the Ark of the Covenant is when they sacrifice animals and they sprinkle the blood to, you know, sanctify everybody for their sins. Well, Jesus was sent to overcome the world, right? To, uh, you don't have to do those animal sacrifices of the past and all that because his blood took that place. But not only did it do it spiritually, it did it physically on this earth. It literally dropped down onto the Ark of the Covenant, right? So when Ron Wyatt found the Ark, he took a sample of that blood he found and brought it to a lab in Jerusalem. And he talks about all this. It's on YouTube as long as YouTube doesn't take it down. And um, it became one alive when they added saline to it, which is most blood's dead. It doesn't become alive again. And it only had the genetic markers for the mother and one to make Jesus male. It's incredible. It's just insane. And I can't wait till the world knows this, you know? Um, so Ron Wyatt, look him up. He's, he's awesome. And it just goes to show you that every single thing in this Bible has really physically happened on this earth. So it's a very important, relevant book. And it's unfortunate that Satan has made it like where where he's we've taken God out of schools. Nobody reads the Bible. You know, like he, Satan's done a really good job. He took over Hollywood. He took over the movies and he took over people's minds. And it's very obvious in the last two years, seeing the spirit of fear over people with the muzzles on their face still two years later. I mean, they just want to prove the muzzles don't work and the jabs don't work. And these people are muzzled in jabs still. And a lot of them severely overweight, which is blows my mind too. Like take off the mask, work out, let go of the spirit of fear, let God come over you. And that's one more thing is I used to make fun of these people until this week, literally this week, because I was listening to the fall of the cabal. Um, if you want to listen to that, just go to fall, not the fall, fall cabal.com. And you can watch all her series. She's got a ton, but I was watching the sequel to the first one. And she, she's talking about what happened, you know, the last two years. And she was like, don't be mean to these people. They have been traumatized. Quit calling them sheeple. They're literally trauma victims. And it's true. Like if you are in that much fear of death, one, you don't know that you're going to heaven. So you're scared of death because once you know you're going to heaven, death is like nothing. You know what I mean? It's like welcoming almost like I don't want to die. I want to stay and live here on earth as long as God wants me to. And I want to stay for my kids. I have lots of reasons I want to stay. So I believe God will grant me that and let me stay. And when my time is up, then I know I'm going to go be with him and all my family, my dogs and my mansion because I read the word. And it tells me where, where I'm going to go and what's going to happen. And it tells me how to even get there. You know, it says Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one will get to heaven except through Jesus. Which I heard people be like, I don't need Jesus. It's like, okay, well, take that up with him when you get there. Because I'm not here to argue with people. Like, I got over that the last two years too. I'm not here to argue. If you believe what you believe, then believe it. But don't be so stubborn that you can't be open to learning either. Because that's... Phew, that's what I've seen a lot of. So, and the last thing I want to kind of close with here is something that it's one more story and it's, 
one more thing about fear. Okay, so the whole point of this podcast is the spirit of fear ruled my life and it sucked. And I don't want anybody to have to live like that. And people are very obviously living like that. So the faster we can let go of fear, depression, all that we can take back our lives, we can become the what God created us to be on this earth, which is power, which is a, a world changer, a game changer. You know what I mean? And what's funny too, speaking of Halloween, is these witches, these warlocks, these real witches and warlocks, they know these demons are real and they conjure them up and they worship them and they they know that they have power. But did you know you have more power? And that's why they want to keep you, the church, the body of Christ, dumbed down that there's no power because then we stay, oh, let's go to church on Sunday and then... Just live our ordinary lives. And while well, meanwhile, they're over here stealing our children off the street and sacrificing them. Like, it's bananas. 800,000 children go missing. 600,000 women go missing. Like, uh-uh. Like, this stuff has to stop. So, and don't fear that stuff. Get aware of it. Like, and pray in your cities, in your states, in your streets, everywhere you go. Start to take over instead of let it go the other way around. I'm sick and tired of it. Can you tell? So this last part I'm going to read you is what God told us it, it, right here. He says, "It's this is first. No, this is just Timothy. Timothy, because there's first and second. No, second Timothy. Sorry, guys. This is second Timothy, first verse, seventh verse down. And it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if you have the spirit of fear, it is not of God. But... God has given us this, but of a power and of love and a sound mind. Okay. That right there proves that this stuff is a spiritual battle. We are in a spiritual battle on this world, in this world. And we have been since we've been born and we, Adam and Eve thank thank them for that. But you know what? Here we are. So time to fight, time to quit letting Satan win, time to get your armor of God on time to get rid of the spirit of fear, anxiety, depression, and all the BS that is not of God and get that power and the love that God has given you and a sound mind in return. So one day I'm driving down the street. I'm going to end with a story and pray. I'm in kind of a shady part of town. There's a guy in a wheelchair with a Jersey on who looks like he probably has been in a gang or is in a gang. I don't know. I'm just all judgy, right? Just, and I, but I felt bad for him. So I said a little prayer and on my heart it was pressed to turn around and go pray for him. And I started arguing and I like in my head, I was like, no, God, I don't want to go turn around and pray for him. He could hurt me or stab me or he probably doesn't even want me to pray for him. I've asked people in the past, do you want prayer? And they've straight up no. And so I figured that would be the same got a you know, situation. I was like, no, God, I do know. And I was like, I'm scared. I just told him I'm scared. And I get to the stoplight. And that verse came on me strong. I did not give you a power or a spirit of fear, Melody, but a power and love and a sound mind. Turn around. So I did. I was obedient. And I turned around, parked my car, got out, and I told the guy, I was like, hey, God wants me to pray for you. What happened? Why are you in the wheelchair? It turned out he had a blood disease. So we um, prayed about him and his blood. And, you know, I pray to God he walks. Like, I want to see somebody do that someday. I cannot wait till I see that. 
people grow back their limbs and the power of God just really start manifesting in this world. It's going to be so cool. So on that note, <sighs> dear Lord, if Frank's still alive, I just pray he's not in that wheelchair anymore. And I just pray that the people that are listening to this start to just understand the spirits and the spirit of fear and the spirit of depression and anxiety is not a spirit that you've given them. And if it's not of you, then it's of the evil one. It's of the demons. And I just pray that we let go of these demons, Lord, the ones that we have carried over a lifetime. I just, we bind them. We send them back to the pits of hell that they came from, Lord. And we just loose that spirit of joy, the spirit of power, the spirit of life, Lord, just let us live again. Instead of live in this darkness, let this darkness leave once and for all. I'm so sick of it. And so are so many other people, Lord. And I just pray, Lord, that you start to show your glory, not just today, but tomorrow and the next day, more and more until people can no longer deny that you are real. I cannot, I still can't believe people deny that you're real. The witches, I'm going off now to God. <laughs> the witches, Lord, they know that you're real. Let the Christians know. Let us wake up. Wake up in Jesus' name. And I just saw, and this has never happened to me since. It's the only time this has ever happened to me. But it was, a, it's, it happened and it happened for a reason. I really don't know why. And sometimes I think I'll see in heaven. But I'm driving down the street and there's this guy with a jersey on in a wheelchair that looks like a total gangster. Again, I live in Albuquerque. This wasn't the best neighborhood in town. And when I drove by him, I felt bad for him because he was in a wheelchair. So I said a little prayer. I was like, you know, dear God, take care of that guy or whatever. And he goes, well, and, and this is, again, pressed in my heart. He was like, well, go pray for him. So I keep driving. God and I are having this back and forth in my heart. And I'm like, I'm not going. I'm not turning around. That guy could kill me, stab me. He probably doesn't even want me to pray for him. That's, yeah, no, I'm going to pass. Hard pass on that. Hold on, the baby just woke